Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. As we're forced to sit still, I want to travel through the stories of people in other places and explore how they're stepping out with a renewed sense of style. So this is Style Stories Stepping Out, a series which continues to share stories of creative people with a strong sense of style, but from places that we'd love to see and where we'd rather be. Today, I'm stepping out with celebrity and fashion stylist Iman Fendi, who hails from Brooklyn, New York, and was literally at the airport about to step onto a flight when we recorded this interview. Iman and I met five years ago at New York Fashion Week, and I was immediately struck by her strong voice, her generosity of spirit, and her iconoclastic style. To give you an indication of what that means, at the time she'd paired her hijab with a leather harness. Iman's style may have evolved as she started to delayer some of the constraints of her strict upbringing, but the heart of her story remains honest, courageous, and continues to esteem her Egyptian roots. Whether she's competing in reality TV shows, studying neuroscience, or just simply helping her clients hail a cab, the beauty of Iman is in how she combines strength with vulnerability, hip hop with a touch of princess dye, and yet all the while her style remains wholeheartedly New York. I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to Iman's story. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm well. Oh, How are you this going? is great. I couldn't have listened. I moved around my flights not thinking, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. So let me, I'm in good lighting now. I just, I love this one because I, you know, this whole series that I'm doing at the moment is called Stepping Out and it's mm-hmm. about where I'm currently sitting in a Sydney lockdown, um, which means, you know, we've had like fairly hardcore restrictions in terms of our movements for the last like nine weeks. Um, mm. And so I guess the, the whole point of this series is to share stories of people in other places <laughs> of the world that get to move around. And so what yeah, is better right? than catching you at an airport about to take <laughs> a flight? <laughs> I mean, it's all fun and games till you're out of battery on the plane and you're like, why didn't I charge this? But um, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks I can't even speak English. It was so flustered, but I'm here. Uh, we made I, it. We made I, it. I, I appreciate it. it it's <laughs> testament to your, your strong will and your tenacity, mate. Like, I... Exactly. Uh, So I was I was just reflecting on the fact that we met like I think it was about five years ago at New York Fashion Week and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember but I was working for Disney at the time. Oh I definitely remember you because you said Disney Australia and I was like I didn't even know they fucking had Disney in Australia. (laughs) I'm that ignorant. The funniest part about it was when we look I look back at that video I'm going to find that video for you again um but when I look back at that video, it was it was like catering to nine to twelve year olds, like you know, educating them about what Fashion Week means. And you were wearing so like cute. a leather harness. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was for kids. You fuck. Yeah. You. Oh my god! I had no idea. So. Oh good. my god! I had no idea. Oh my god! Wow, good to know. But I listen. I do. I remember you clear as day and I love listen I never forget a fashion friend and if we link up in another city 
and we're still in our fashion shit, like I would, that's it, you're locked in. Like you're locked. <laughs> Won't forget you. Um, so today is about telling your story in, in more detail. And I love to kind of start at the beginning of people's stories. Um, I know for you, um, your Egyptian cultural heritage is something that you've been very proud to speak about. Um, and I wanted mm-hmm. to start off by kind of understanding what that rich history and culture has meant for your sense of identity and your sense of self as a, as a little kid growing up. Oh my God, it has everything to do with it. Cause it's the foundation yeah. that I have. It's like all that I knew for the longest. And then as you pick up other things, you intertwine it with yourself. So like, as far as being Egyptian, I've always been like, just biased as fuck to like, (laughs) as far as like makeup wise, like I've always been biased to more of a black eyeliner just because you're Egyptian and like go. Um, But more than anything, you know, being Egyptian is like really more about your personality. I'm not even, listen. And um just like having a sense of humor, keeping everything yeah. light, talking shit. But um, as far as fashion and how it intertwines, um, I would say like the silhouettes are really inspiring. Um, more column dresses, things like that. I've always gravitated to it. I'm like, you're so Egyptian. Like, this is so... You ever pick out something and you're like, this is so typical of me to pick out. Like, when am I going to pick out something different? It, it, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but does that answer your question or should I yeah, answer a little no, bit more? I, I, well, I'm going to tease it out a bit because, um, like, you say you're very Egyptian. But for me, not, you know, when I met you, I didn't know what your, your cultural background was. And to yeah. me, you're just very fucking new york new york (laughs) (laughs) that's what i thought you were asking me about like how has like your culture inspired um fashion and i think what people don't know is like at home growing up i was like egyptian and muslim first like everything else they didn't give a fuck about so i think like to me it was like the first thing i go to but i know on the outside for most people they're like wait a minute like yeah it is it's new york all day all night like um still from brooklyn um, you know, all of it just intertwines all together. Like all of it just it, it, on its in its own way weaves out its own pattern. Ultimately, you moved from New York when you were like you know in your formative years, right? And you were living in Middle America. Um, and I I heard yeah. in in an, another interview that you've done, you were saying that like you kind of just got out of everyone's way. You didn't want to be a burden, but you spent a lot of time at school just kind of in the library studying Egyptian history. Was that, did you, when you moved to like Arizona, did, was that a, a, a feeling oh God, like I not belonging? It. It, did you feel like you didn't belong there? Yeah, like the minute we moved to Arizona, they were like, oh, we're just, my dad first off bamboozled us. <laughs> I'm the third out of nine, by the way. Yeah. So there's there's eight other of us, eight, eight others of uh, siblings. But um, when we first moved to Arizona, I was in trouble every 
fucking day at school. Like I didn't have any, I, it just wasn't, I could do anything and it was offensive to them. They're like, how could you, how would you? Like the one thing that really stuck out to me, I remember one time I just needed to use the bathroom. So I just like got up and left. And it was like World War Three. It's like, you can't just get up. I was like, what do you want me to do? Like, you have to raise your hand. You have to wait till they tell you. And then you can go. And I'm like, by the time you answer me, <laughs> you're going to call the janitor to mop up this mess. <laughs> so we're not going to fucking do that. I got to go. Like, when I got to go, I got to go. I- I've never been, like, the type of student to sit there and, like, wait yeah. for your teacher to tell you what to do. Like, no, I have to leave me the fuck alone. But I got out there, and the only really anything to do, period, um, when I first transferred over was the library. It's the only thing open. It's the only thing with nobody else there. And it was just like, I know I'm not going to fit in. I accepted it early, mm. like early. And I wasn't even open to new friends. I was like, you're not from New York. I can't talk to you. <laughs> uh, when I got to high school, and I met some people from Jersey, New York. I was like, okay, fine. Like things started to loosen up. Um, but then 9-11 happened freshman year. Right. And at the time when I still wore my hijab, it was just like one big fucking shit show. Like, right. what a nightmare. I'm so glad yeah. it's over. Um, and then when I was about, hmm, oh boy, let's see if I could do the math right. Like 17... 1617 my dad bought a candy shop at the mall called tropic sun and that's when the fashion kicked it up even more because in high school i was like all about jordans and basketball and that was it just give me my kicks don't touch my kicks yeah that that was my that was was that that, that your site of like american identity you know that you could lay yourself on in that environment like basketball was that kind of yeah basketball was the only thing that felt like home no matter where I went fast forward to when I was 18 and I went to Neiman Marcus and I only went just because like I was trying to kill time while my dad was on my lunch break and I just like I started walking down kind of getting to know the mall that we're in you know in the beginning I was just like walking to the food court and back and that was it and I was like well wait what's Neiman Marcus like I need to go and then the lady was like, you know, you can get a Neiman Marcus credit card and you can just get whatever you want. My dumbass <laughs> listened. <laughs> um, and, and How did here that we are. go down? Uh, How did that go down well, with your we're, fi- we're filing bankruptcy now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, no. Um, it, didn't, it didn't roll over very well because the first thing I bought was a fur coat. Right. Wow. And he was like in Arizona, like so. Yeah. It just it none of nothing made sense. Like I was buy. I'm like, what are you doing? Now that I think about it, now that I really think I really did buy that fur. It was a fox fur coat. Fucking everything, and I ended up getting rid of it because it was like two sizes too big or three sizes too big. Um, but it was from then on that I started playing with like designer. Do you think it was the the so? Do you think it was a symbol? Because obviously fur coats have been, uh, like, it, it, traditionally a symbol of me luxury so, and opulence. Yes. That was yeah. it. That was it. I was like, I've never felt something more luxurious. Yeah. I put it on and I genuinely, I've never felt more expensive. Like, I was almost I, disappointed. Why am I even in this fucking mall right now? Like, what's <laughs> it's fucking stupid? Like, I don't need to be in this mall with a fur coat. I need to be elsewhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but I would say from that point on, it was just like, it just took You're off. Done. I just played uh, with anything and everything in front of me. So you've said in the past, like, obviously, like, you know, basketball was your first kind of real sight of being attached to a style or, or, or you know, a look. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, just lo- looking at you on Instagram or, you know, street your street style, what have you, like, obviously that thread of hoodies and sneakers, that hasn't ever left you. Um, but then I love how I also... You're right. That- <laughs> <laughs> but Princess Diana was also one of your first fashion icons. So where does, where does, <laughs> where, is that right? You know what it is. You know what it is. I grew up in such a religious household, mm-hmm. right? And we weren't allowed to do shit. So I did what I could with the red tape that they put up, like with the parameters my parents gave me. And they were yeah. both very religious, very uh, orthodox, Muslim. A woman doesn't do this. A woman doesn't do that. She doesn't look like this. She doesn't look like that. A lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of don't, don't, do's and don'ts. But so at the time, that's what fit. And that's what I could right. do. And like, as I've kind of moved out in a way, I can be more myself. And yeah. myself is like a healthy blend. It's not even a healthy blend. It really is a mix of like Princess Diana, who I fucking love more than anything else in the world. My red carpet style will always be like Princess Di. I promise you. Yeah. Always. Um, she does. She does throw back to those Egyptian silhouettes, doesn't she? In I her oh, red carpet looks. Crew, just very <laughs> elegant, very luxe, very. Um, yeah. It's just feminine power. I like women that are really stepping their feminine energy and that's their source of power. Me. And it's, I'm probably drawn to that because I want that. Like my masculine yeah. side is far, my masculine energy is more dominant. Yeah. But, it, it, and that's why I'm like, there needs to be like a soft blend of the two. And that's why you'll see me mix the two. And that's why, like, initially I'll only wear certain things and then now you're seeing, like, a whole blend of things. It's because, you know, the parameters aren't up anymore. Um, I think when you give someone the space, the budget, and the grace to really dress how they want to and do what they want, it's going to look completely different than what they started with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. So, and I would I would have <laughs> always described your style as that mix of masculine and feminine. And I do want to get into that I'm a bit trying later. So hard. <laughs> but you've always had that. I mean it's one of the first things that struck me about you. I mean, obviously when I met you, you were um probably a bit more conservative still, you know, like more covered up. But like you were you were, you know, you 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 I still up. I still listen, wearing, I like, Popped out in a harness, in a, I was obsessed with harness belts. I was like, oh, I can layer this one, the button up. Oh, nobody's going to tell me shit. Like no one's going to tell me shit. So yeah, you're um, absolutely right. Now, if you're comfortable, um, I, I want to talk about your dad because I know that he's passed away and my, you won't know this about me, but my mum's also passed away of cancer. Um, so I understand well, for me, it, it, that meant something quite specific about um, understanding myself and a sense of legacy. Um, so 
I always tell this story about this podcast. I started this podcast, you know, I started the, the concept of it about two years ago. And it was at the mm -hmm. time when my grandmother had passed away and I had to pack up pretty much my mum and my grandmother had lived together. So I pretty much had to pack up all their stuff in one go. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, these are these kind of defining female voices in my life. Um, mm -hmm. And so it really honed in on me, like, I, I have to pick all these things that resonate with me. Like what what are the bits that are most true to who I am and what, what does that say? And lo and behold, I then start a podcast called Style Stories, which examines people's relationship to their past and how they represent themselves as a means of, you know, what full they've circle. experienced. Yeah, full circle. So I, I want to understand if you're comfortable, like I know that you are um, an advocate for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Association. Um, are, are there other parts of your dad's legacy that you you still carry or that is that part of your masculine energy, masculine energy or? My, you know what? Um, that's a great question. Cause I've been, I, I feel like this whole panorama had people sitting out with their choices and just really thinking shit through, right? Like we yeah. were forced to just sit it out. Um, I say from my, my dad's legacy, what I really carry is his consistency and his kindness. My dad, uh, the one, you know, he was very like powerful. He walked in the room, you felt it like that's happening. All yeah. of those things, but the things you didn't see that I, um, that I hold dear to me is, how kind he was like this man was very generous and he never talked about it and he was like almost ashamed of talking about like how generous he is because he's like if you're going to talk about what you're going to give don't give it all yeah. like because it's no longer yours it's already passed like let it pass like what the fuck he said when you mm -hmm. give like you give with your eyes closed like it's done right and that puts into perspective like the way I give my energy and I'm more cautious of my relationships in the sense that the give and take always has to be at an even cue. Mm. Right. Like I want them, like it needs to be both ways. The the flip side of it is also once that, you know, um, as harrowing as it can be, once that powerful voice leaves your life, the, the, I want to say there's almost a freedom to find yourself on your own terms um, once that person isn't there kind of telling you what their expectations of you are anymore. Did you, did you find that for yourself? There was a slight relief in a sense that there's no... Um, how I say this, no, um, didn't feel like house arrest anymore. It's like, okay, go do. Right. Go, go. Yeah. I, um, and you know, for like the longest time I felt so guilty about being happy because for so long they just insisted I needed to be a certain way or else it just wasn't it or I would have a hard time, but it's like, I only had a hard time listening to what they wanted me to do. And it's like, you couldn't let a motherfucker live. You just wanted to direct traffic. And that was your way of parenting. And I'm not, 
I'm not gonna hold you. That's what you grew up with. That's what they, everyone before us grew up with. But I think they're just all lies. And um, you really have to find your voice and your voice really starts as a child. And that's why we need to like, stop making children feel so fucking stupid or try to belittle them or lessen them if they try, if they talk back or if they say or do anything because they're expressing themselves just like anybody else. And I don't understand why we limit growth at certain ages more than others. Does that make any sense? Oh, 100%. I, um, I wonder what it's like to be in a family of nine kids and find that voice, you know, know that that is yours. And you're not going to find it until you leave. You have to be right. by yourself, complete solitude, or it's not, it's never going to fucking work. Like if you're sick of where you're at, you have to remove yourself completely and just complete new crowd, new, new, new. Like I even moved to the old part of Brooklyn I was at before, the old, any, it was all like, okay, I haven't been here. Let's, all right, let's settle. Yeah. And so do you, your style has been described as iconoclastic. Um, do you think that it reflects in your style, that sense of like finding yourself and your style evolution? Do you think? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it weighs on your energy and I think it weighs in your weight. Like, I think all of our beliefs hold weight in our mind that ultimately reflects everything else. Yeah. And my only goal has been to drop the dead weight, like stop carrying yeah. it. And like, I even yeah. look lighter in my face. Like it's just, <laughs> it's crazy what happens when you just do what makes you happy, regardless of what it looks like. Yeah. And I just grew up in such a fucking environment, like even beyond home, like at school, you can attest to this. It was just such a fucking judgment. Still is judgmental. Um, obviously the trolls, but it's different when it's constantly in your fucking face and not on the goddamn phone. In your own words, because I don't, you know, I don't want to put words on you, but um, you you kind of freed yourself, you know, like you've you and you. Yeah. So, um, what I'll say is though that your voice has been strong the whole way through. You know, like you you are you, and that like five years ago you are. Whereas and self-confident mm -hmm. as you are today, uh, even if your style has changed somewhat, you know? Yeah, that and I, what's different now than before than when you knew me is the fact that I'm just quicker to accept things as they are versus judge it and drag it. Yeah, right. I yeah. have, you know, sometimes <laughs> like in the past, if something would have happened, I would have been like playing out that scenario 20,000 times in my head. I've been like, I didn't realize and, I was like in a battle with my own faith because we weren't like allowed to challenge it. Yeah. And like growing up, they knew I didn't want to wear it. They knew I didn't want to fucking do it. They knew. Yeah. You know, like I had a conversation with my mother and she said it. It's like, you've always been like this. I'm like, okay, then why the fuck didn't you embrace it? And, you know, it's and, just stupid fucking shit like that like like gets me livid and I'm still in the process I'm nowhere near like over the moon like there's still pieces of me that gets triggered because it's so easy to just embrace someone and just love them and let them live their life but they'd rather invest more energy in controlling and it's just fucking wild 
you've studied psychology, right? Do you find that that has kind of helped you well, yes. or prompted yes. some of these questions? And then what I want to know is because I also did a psych degree and I find that, like, you know, I some in some roundabout way this podcast is a way of me understanding the relationship between, you know, what, what we think, how we perceive ourselves, what we imbue and how we present ourselves to the world and our identity. You know, that's where I bring these you know two what? things we together. Know, you know you're not alone. You just want to hear the stories that come with it it helps like it's healing it's so fucking therapeutic god i think that sense of openness in you though makes you a better stylist because people feel like they know what they're getting it's your hairstyle right how's your hairstylist she tells you everything you tell everything Yeah. yeah yeah because it's a very intimate transaction this is your outward appearance is what the world sees first and like wardrobe really like people act like it doesn't hold weight like it fucking says everything before you do like you could tell when the you wear the clothing or the clothing wears you yeah you could tell like so it just like i think we keep saying oh it's the it's it's i don't need to worry about it it's this it's this and i'm like it's those little things that add up and you ultimately wake up one day and you're like you know what i don't feel like doing shit you know why because you chipped off everything else that was important to you or even put you first in any capacity. Yeah. And I think we just forget about ourselves because we're so caught up not trying not to be a disciplined. We know what not to do. Everyone knows what not to do because we yell anytime someone does it. (laughs) 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 When the fuck is someone going to like give me a solution or, you know, like when I say I'm open to criticism, it's not, you're a bitch stop doing this i'm open to criticism as in hi i don't feel like i'm being heard can we take a minute to do this and that you know yeah like yeah make it about you say i but it's always i feel like it's constant blame and trauma dumping and i'm like what well, i can't i can't um one day at a time one day at a time that's all i know that's all it, i know it, it, in terms of your role, though, as a stylist um, yeah. and, you know, like liaising with clients, what what's, do you, what strategies do you use to read what they need? The best way to read a client is to watch their initial reaction. Mm-hmm. Like when they say, when someone shows you their true colors, believe them the first time, bitch the first time is the first three seconds stop fucking playing yourself you'll see it you'll see it the but it's instant like i can yeah. show somebody something and that uh, even if they fix their face right away i'm like i i caught it and i'll look at them and be like if you don't love it we'll burn it like does that go in the bonfire and i like try to make it light i want you to feel like the nose are not the end like, people feel bad when they say no too much. Like, oh, I don't want to waste your time. Well, if you talk back and gave me feedback, we wouldn't. But it's not a waste of my time. So long you know what you want, right? Yeah. Um. So really paying attention to their initial reaction. Paying attention to what they... Excuse me. Oh, my God. Paying attention to what they gravitate to. So if we're, like, going through a rack and they... Um, let's say she's gravitating more towards brighter colors or
um, just like paying attention to what they're gravitating to and asking questions around that. Yeah. So honestly, as a stylist, I think what, what I've done more and that's helped me more than anything is just listening and being twice as attentive as I normally would. You know, someone on the street, I don't give a fuck. You didn't put a deposit. I don't give a shit. Someone that does, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> talk about this. What do you mean? <laughs> and, and, and in terms of the New York influence, like you, I think mm. I understand that you've got clients from everywhere, right? Like people. Global. Not just from. Yeah. Global. Do you think that they come to you? Obviously, for, I, you know, I assume, and from what you're saying, you know, your honesty, your transparency, your ability to really, really listen, you know, that, that sense of kindness that you've gotten from your father to really hold on to, you know, who they are. But do they, do you think they also come to you? I mean, because you've got amazing style um, and it has that. That's who you're saying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, like, do you think they come to you for a bite of New York, you know? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I have clients that, that are, like, that hit me up. I love it. And then at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I love that I'm anybody's go-to for New York. I don't give a shit. Like, what an honor. I don't give a fuck. You want the plug, yeah. go to Iman. Done. Like, what's better than that? Um, but I'm, I'm grateful. They trust me to the extent that they do. Yeah. Like I've had clients call me and be like, Hey, I know this is last minute, but I'm taking my wife out to a dinner tonight and, um, we need an outfit. I met them at central park and then we like ran over to the Columbus circle shops yeah. Uh, we picked out a quick, outfit, a quick outfit in there, I think, and kept it in the budget. He's like, bro, how the fuck do you do this? I was like, just shut up. Let's go. I was like, where's the restaurant? He didn't even book a restaurant. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Yeah. So we, I got him a table last minute, and he couldn't hail a cab or get an Uber. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to do everything for you <laughs> and I'm okay with it. I don't think people understand, like, when you hail a cab, you need to make sure the light is on to begin with. Yeah. Like, one of the biggest things that I've noticed in styling or in doing closets, um, you know, in anything that has to do with wardrobe, there's always so many mental blocks. Like, it's more psychological than we want to give it credit for. A hundred percent. Because some, some people are like, no, I can't wear that. I just can't show my stomach. And I'm like, okay. And then after the pandemic happened, it's like, I don't give a fuck anymore. And I'm like, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's human and it's have the restrictions you want to. I would never tell you different. At the same time, be open to play because you never know. Some things just have no hanger appeal and you just need to give it a fucking chance. But yeah. That's it. So I want to ask you about the the reality show. You were working, you were doing the show, you know, like Did it was you, a heavy you, you, load. You know. Do you know how much I filmed from school? Like, I had to rearrange two neuroscience exams to make the show work. Yeah, right. Like, I, I was, like, 
You're right. I was spread out mad then. You're right. Yeah. And aside from doing this show, which was work, because it was we were literally filming from like seven to eight. Seven to seven, seven to six. It was just like intense. Yeah. And like some days we went home early, but not really. Like we'd get a challenge and we'd go out and do it same day. Yeah. That table, uh, dinner table setting challenge, uh, same day. She's yeah. like, okay, go. And it was like noon and they close at seven. And I'm like, I ain't set a table in my life before. What the fuck you want me to put on it? <laughs> Grab your fork and your appetite. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun filming. We haven't got it here yet. It's, it, I, I have been desperate to watch it because oh, it's right up Aww. my alley. <laughs> and I want to see you. You can get HBO Max. It, it just hasn't it hasn't transferred here yet. Like we we get HBO shows, but we don't get my and most most HBO shows go on binge and like you know um, oh. yeah. So it will come. It's just you know we're a little bit delayed down here. That's um, okay. But I did I I know I know from like the story of the show like you know there's a pivotal moment in which you kind of have a bit of a breakdown and then that kind of defines a bit more of your journey on the show but i also my know like God, this fucking show. <laughs> my edit like i saw how they ultimately edited shit out and i'm like you're yeah. lying out your ass right now yeah. like i watched it back and i'm like you're talking shit like <laughs> what like why i um i can't wait for you to watch it i i Really and truly, but um, whew, uh, th- th- I did bump heads with Alon on the show. Right. They didn't show what happened prior. Okay. okay. They didn't tell yeah. you what the fuck happened. You just saw how the fuck I reacted. That's all right. you saw. That's all yeah. the fuck you saw. Um, but I, I learned more of my triggers and my trigger is basically when people don't believe me the first time and I'm like, my reaction is like, how many times do I have to say it? And then I'm like, no, 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 no. Now I'm just like, you don't want to fucking listen. I don't give a fuck. That's on you. Like, figure it out. Yeah. I'm not going to like beg you to hear me out. And then another thing is, is like when, um, I think what like, I've never talked about this, but what really pushed me off over the edge is the fact that I was trying to talk to them about something and they kept yelling at me to go back and ask Kyle. And I was like, I already, okay. So to give you some background, we were up in the country home, right? This is like episode four or five. And in this country home episode, basically you haven't seen it. So I'm going to bring you up to speed. Jenna's country home that she used to own with her um, ex-girlfriend. Piper's damaged. We're up there to, revamp the shit so she could put it up for sale and realtors were going to come in and do their thing, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember we uh, had to go, we went through different stores. We had like one day where we went to different stores. Um, it was actually one of the most exhausting days of my fucking life. Um, but we did that and ultimately we ended up getting a big hutch. And this hutch we were trying to make it work and Jenna was like, this is too fucking country home. Like, what the fuck is this? So like the top came off from the hutch. So now it's just the bottom. Cool. 
they take off all the knobs and shit and they're like, Iman, go ask Kyle what you want to do with this. I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the end of the porch, right? And to give you a perspective, okay, you see the end? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's where the fuck I ran to. Yeah. Do you see that? That this yeah. that right there. Yeah. That's why I wasn't there yelling at me. Yeah, right. I was like, yo, yo, yo. I brought back the knobs. I like went to Kyle, came outside, I'm walking back. I'm right. I'm like right there. And they're like, no, 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 no. You need to go back and ask Kyle. I'm like, I already fucking asked Kyle. That's why I'm walking back to you. And in my mind, I'm like, maybe they didn't hear me. Yeah. Because I'm so far away. So I said it again. And I got closer and I said, and it just, they completely dismissed me. And I'm like, instead of looking at it and being like, you know what? This isn't for you. It's time to go. Yeah. It like made me feel defeated. Because now my voice doesn't count. Yeah. And it just ate me the fuck up. Like when I tell you, like I ended up going back in and I went to Kyle. I looked at him. I was like, hey, they don't want to listen to me. So do you want to come out and tell them yourself? My voice clearly doesn't mean shit to them. Yeah. And it irked my fucking nerves that my voice held no weight there. Because why the fuck are you asking me to do something if you're not going to listen to what I'm going to say back? Hmm. That shit don't add up to me. At the time, right? Um, but short story shorter, um, Kyle says his thing. He does what he needs to. Heads back. Um, now I'm there with Mike and Alon. They're painting the hutch. And uh, you could feel like my entire energy just dropped. It tanked. Right. You could tell yeah. I was upset. You could tell I was big mad. And you could tell I don't want to fucking hear a word out of your fucking mouth. Like, I don't give a shit at this point. Like, if you're but not going to listen to me, you don't give a fuck what I said. Don't even ask me. Don't even ask me. But they didn't air that shit. They didn't show you none of that. Yeah. What they showed you is after, like, two days later, when, not even three days later, where we were back in New York, and it was like, Alana's like, I don't understand why you're not talking to me. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to someone who don't give a fuck about what I got to say. What do you want me to yeah. fucking say? Like, if you're not going to fucking listen, what is the point of a conversation? Make it make sense. If yeah. I'm talking to a brick wall and you don't give a shit, what are we doing? I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Good night. Um, and I, at the time, I got triggered. I'm like, okay, so if someone isn't valuing my voice, you're not listening to me when I tell you to fuck off, now nah, I really got to fuck you up. That's how I yeah. used, that was my <laughs> thought process, right? Right. Now, I won't beat your ass unless you put your hands on me. But at the time, like, I, like, being heard was a fucking trigger. Especially if it came from a black woman and then, like, some white man said some shit. And you're like, oh, I get him. He makes sense. Thanks so much. You're the best. And I'm like, why are you ass kissing a white man? Like, fuck that. <laughs> but on the show, I popped off at her. I was like, you yeah. fucking bitch, just fuck off. Like, and, and, and it's in the show. It's in the show. I can't, there's yeah. nothing I can do about it. Um, <laughs> um, I remember she texted me. She's like, hey, we have such, um, we need to clear the air, something, something. And I'm like, this is not how the fuck you clear air, first of all. If you yeah. go, this is not how you clear air. If we exchange words as an argument, we need to exchange words to mend. Like conversation. Yeah not some bum via text or you better yet let me just get my own closure and move the fuck on um but i ended up texting her like 
um, a month later, honestly, because my grandmother passed away at the time. And I just wasn't fucking responding to anybody. I had like a full house. I had guests. My mom was in town. My family was in and out. We were going either upstate or Jersey or something. And then my mom went to Detroit twice. And it was just... So I got back to her. And I told her my grandmother passed. And I'm sorry. And I never heard from her again. And that was that. Um, I still keep in touch with Sarah Kate and Justin. Me and Justin are really tight. Justin I love. Justin was the one motherfucker on that show. I literally saw him. I clocked him. I was like, we're going to be besties <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> I don't know if he knew the same thing, but I fucking loved him. I still do. He's my favorite. I, I was like, I want to be like you. I want to like talk back to people regular and not be so triggered and want to fuck them up on site. Like how you do that. Yeah. And he's like, you just use your words. It's not that serious. And I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> What about Jenna? You know, when I look at her style-wise and, like, listen to a bit of her story, like, she will tell you that she was the girl that didn't fit in, you know, like, in her interviews, what have you. Isn't that how we all feel as kids? Yeah, well, I don't know anyone that's, like, when I grew up, I fit in and I was perfect and no one fucked with me. (laughs) Like, find me one fucking person. Find it. Find it. I'm done with that. Lucky them. Like when people are Lucky like, them if they do. Wait, who the fuck are you? Who? Where? 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 Who? Who? I don't fucking know anybody like that. If there's anybody out there that's like, hi, I had a perfect childhood and nobody ever fucked with me anywhere ever. All I know is you were homeschooled and lived in a shell. Sit at home. Stay at home. Good night. Oh, fucking here. Everybody gets shit on as a kid. Everybody gets shit on as a fucking kid. Because we get shown by our parents. It's all we know. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to just say, uh, you know, from a style perspective, you know, she's known for that irony of like, you know, what we know quite well now as a style of dresses and sneakers and hoodies and skirts. And I feel like Iman has been doing that (laughs) from the beginning. Um, I feel like our whole interview, though, is, you know, like, because obviously then the pandemic has come and that we've we've kind of gone into that that has set you off a course of a new beginning and a kind of fresh start. Um, I'm going to let you get on that plane now. But where, <laughs> where are you going? And, like, what, um, what travel are you looking forward to? Oh, my God. I'm going to a wedding in Phoenix. There's three days of festivities. So there's going to be six looks. And I'm excited yes. for all of them. And <laughs> I can't wait to see then, But then I go back to New York and I got Fashion Week. And I can't wait for you to see who I'm working with this season. Oh, amazing. I can't tell you. I can't, I can't, I can't. Oh my God, I can't fucking wait. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you so much for this. And let's do a part two. Let's pick up where we left off. I'd love to. I'd love to. And I, and I would love to da- actually just come to New York Fashion Week and see you there. That would be my preference. <laughs> when are you right, coming? Then. Is it a thing? Oh, we can't get out. Like, we, we, can't, we can't leave our homes for more than five kilometres. Like, we're in a five-kilometre radius at the moment. So, like, I can't, I like, I literally can't see my friends that live um, in a different part of Sydney right now. So, it's literally me and my my family. Um, I love them very much. So they're good company. But um, 
Yeah. You're sick of it. Uh, I get it. <laughs> you, know, you know, I love traveling and I would love to be getting on a plane to a wedding where I've got six kids oh, waiting for me. <laughs> I wish I could like meet you right now. Believe me. You're one of my favorites. Fashion person. <laughs> if we link on a fashion tip, you're locked in for life. Oh shit, they're doing standby. I love you. All okay. right. Yeah, I love you too, bud. <laughs> Bye. Bye, baby. <laughs> Thank you. If you like style stories but are looking for a little more connection, please come and join Style Stories The Circle, a Facebook group I've created to provide a community-minded space where you can discuss the latest episodes, get social, and share your style and your stories.